This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're looking at a bizarre tale from McCarthyite America, the time when Robin Hood was accused of being a communist sympathizer. The day was November 15, 1953. Ada White of the Indiana Textbook Commission alleged that textbook writers were presenting the story of Robin Hood in a pro-communist light. As a member of the body that reviewed teaching materials used by Indiana schools, she called for a story called Robin Hood and the Knight to be omitted from the curriculum. Mrs. White explained in her objection, saying, quote, There is a communist directive in education now to stress the story of Robin Hood. They want to stress it because he robbed the rich and gave it to the poor. That's the communist line. It's just a smearing of law and order, and anything that disrupts law and order is their meat. As you may have deduced from the date, this event occurred at the height of the McCarthy era, a period following World War II when fear of the Soviet Union sparked a red scare in the United States. Anxious citizens were imagining communist threats everywhere they looked, and one politician in particular capitalized on the fearful climate. In 1950, Wisconsin Senator Joseph McCarthy shocked the country by claiming that hundreds of communist agents had infiltrated the highest levels of American government in an effort to destroy the country. These allegations sent an already tense nation over the edge, Suddenly, people were accusing their own neighbors of being secret communists, and movies, music, comic books, and novels were carefully scrutinized for signs of communist sympathies. In this way, Mrs. White was just doing her part in Indianapolis to protect the children of Indiana from anti-American themes and stories, which apparently included Robin Hood. White pointed to the Robin Hood story in a popular 7th grade anthology of children's literature called Excursions on Fact and Fancy. One line of the text she found fault with read as follows, quote, Unhappily, the luckless boy slew a knight of Lancashire, and to pay the heavy penalty exacted from him to save his rights, I was forced to sell all my goods. Mrs. White said this was, quote, a slam at lawyers. Another line in the text read, Robin, my lands are pledged until a certain day to an abbot living close by her at St. Mary's Abbey. According to Mrs. White, this line was a double slam at both mortgage holders and the church. Her argument also included an attack on Quakers because they, quote, don't believe in fighting wars which she saw as a philosophy that would ultimately give communists an advantage. When the local press started criticizing Mrs. White's assessments, she claimed her goal was just to raise awareness 
not to ban textbooks that mention Robin Hood. She maintained her stance that the steal from the rich and give to the poor mentality was the, quote, communists' favorite policy. She also bristled at the pushback she received, saying, quote, because I'm trying to get communist writers out of textbooks, my name is Mud. Evidently, I'm drawing blood, or they wouldn't make such an issue out of it. Her concerns were duly noted and disregarded. The school superintendent in Indianapolis declared that Robin Hood would not be banned from his city schools because, as he put it, Robin Hood isn't any worse to read than some of the things children see on television. The state superintendent, Wilbur Young, was a bit more sympathetic to White's concerns, but in the end, he also agreed that the book should not be banned. Still, when asked if he thought some teachers might misuse the story of Robin Hood to promote communism, Young replied, quote, I have no doubt that the communists have gone to work twisting the meaning of the Robin Hood legend, the same as they're trying to destroy everything that is good and decent in the world. They undoubtedly have a red slant on Mother Goose, for that matter. You would think the story ends there, with Robin Hood's good name being cleared by the Indiana powers that be, but things actually didn't stop there. Newswire services took the story worldwide, exposing Mrs. White to a brand of public shaming that was still rare in the pre-internet days of 1953. Communists around the world poked fun at her. A division of the French Communist Party released a tongue-in-cheek statement, claiming that White also wanted to ban Little Red Riding Hood, because her hood was the color of communism. Over in the Soviet Union, one commentator joked that, quote, the enrollment of Robin Hood in the Communist Party can only make sensible people laugh. Even the actual Sheriff of Nottingham stood up for Robin Hood. William J. Vox, the High Sheriff of Nottingham in 1953, said, quote, The Communists may claim a lot of things, but they can't claim Robin Hood. We're really proud of him. Meanwhile, back in the United States, five students from Indiana University at Bloomington started an activist group called the Green Feather Movement. They collected six large sacks of chicken feathers from a local poultry farm and dyed them green to look like the one worn by Robin Hood. Then, on March 1, 1954, the students spread the feathers all over campus to protest Mrs. White's attempt at censorship and McCarthyism at large. From there, the Green Feather Movement spread to other campuses across the country. For example, at UCLA, students also distributed green feathers during a march that included a crier dressed as Robin Hood and about 200 students dressed as his merry men. As it became clear that Robin Hood would continue to be read in schools, the Green Feather Movement disbanded after less than a year, the same month when Senator McCarthy was censured by the Senate. As for Ada White, she did not appreciate her newfound notoriety and continued to clarify that she wasn't opposed to Robin Hood, just to those who would use the story to make communism seem more appealing. Still, 
she didn't let all the negative press get in the way of her mission. In 1955, she went on the offensive against self-reflection by targeting You're Growing Up, a 7th grade health book that she claimed, quote, would make neurotics of our boys and girls, with many pages devoted to insisting that they find their faults. After that, she set her sights on a spelling book that mentioned, quote, an executive with a big income and a snooty wife, which she took as a slight against the American way of life. It's easy to roll our eyes at alarmist episodes like the fight to cancel Robin Hood, but the truth is that the Red Scare resulted in all kinds of books being pulled from the shelves of schools and local public libraries due to their allegedly subversive ideas. 1984 by George Orwell, Johnny Got His Gun by Dalton Trumbo, and The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck were just a few of the more notable casualties. Bandwagon attacks on freedom of expression didn't end with the McCarthy era, so while it's entertaining to look back on the times when censorship failed, it's important to remember the times it didn't as well. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you're so inclined and you have a second, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Show. And if you have any speculation about the political leanings of other fictional characters, you can send it my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks as always to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.